0: listening to the rainmaking podcast hosted by high stakes headhunter author and professional speaker Scott Love
1: This is the Rainmaking Podcast and my name is Scott Love your host Thanks for joining me on the show today Did you know that you can find opportunities for business development when there are changes within your existing network, people that you already know. We're going to talk about that today. Our title of our topic is Relationship Signals for Business Development. So if you're in the business of getting business in any industry, pay attention. Our guest is Jamie Shanks. For 10 years, Jamie ran Sales for Life, the largest social selling training program for mid-market and enterprise companies in the world. Sales for Life trained over 250,000 Thousand sales and marketing professionals in dozens of industries. His workshops have been delivered across six continents for companies like Microsoft, Oracle, American Airlines, Intel his current company is Pipeline Signals he's the CEO Pipeline Signals is a pioneer in relationship signal intelligence monitoring and that's exactly what we're going to hear about on this show so pay attention and make sure you connect with Jamie on the web visit the show notes and you'll find his LinkedIn and other information right there thanks for listening I hope you get some great ideas from my interview with Jamie today and as always this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions Legal Intelligence suite of products Firmscape and Leopard BI, push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard.
2: Hey, this is Scott Love with the Rainmaking Podcast. We've got Jamie Shanks with us today, and our topic is relationship signals for business development. Jamie, thanks for joining me on the show today.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
2: So, I liked what you and I were talking about before, and I wanted to talk more about that. You talk about relationships that rainmakers have. And you said something I thought was fantastic. And I want you to tell me that again. What happens when people move and how would you categorize that? And why is that important for people that are in the business of business
0: development? So if you think about your clients, Change in your clients is primarily connected to human capital and human capital migration because a company doesn't make decisions. It's the people within the company that actually bring forth new ideas, priorities, and so forth. So if you follow the humans in a business, you get a sense as to the priorities or changes in that business. So as an example, you can monitor everybody that goes in and gets hired, gets promoted, and leaves. And so to make this tangible, the company's doubling in size and they're injecting all kinds of human capital. You know, new initiatives are going to be coming. There'll be also challenges from everything from employment contracts to sales contracts and so forth. And then, of course, you're also working. So that's opportunities. And on the risk side of accounts, you work with executives every day in various departments. And unfortunately, since COVID, people have been treating their jobs like a project right. and leaving. Well, so is the risk inside that client because as the executive leaves, so does the relationship right. and the set of priorities that you were working on walks out the door.
2: Right, right. And so how do we manage all of this? And and I like what you said before we go to that, I wanted to kind of segment this into different categories. We've got human capital migration. Now, one of those could be people joining your organization, right? The other one is people exiting your organization and then people going up the organizational chart. So how does one keep track of those client connections related
0: to this change? It sounds like it's fairly complex. So if you are are part of a boutique as an example who has a small roster of clients maybe do this yourself and you know, I've been in professional services nearly my whole life owned a series of professional services firms and at a certain scale you can monitor this yourself you can acquire tools like linkedin and linkedin navigator which allow you to tag both contacts and accounts and, and track this migration of talent but then it becomes unruly as you scale a firm what happens is one rainmaker doesn't know the client roster of another rainmaker and so forth. And the interconnectivity between the relationships. And I'll tell you a real life example. You have clients in Philadelphia and you also have uh, prospects or clients in Seattle. Somebody ups and leaves a client in Philadelphia. And when they walk out the door, if person a doesn't tell the team that by the way, we have an executive that left our customer base, or client base, and then just went into a business into Seattle. And somebody else on our team didn't pick up that signal. All that opportunity is lost. And so at scale, it becomes very difficult. And that's why we created a SaaS software slash managed service called Pipeline Signals. And the intent here is to buy back your time so that you are not... Spending very precious, I call them $500 an hour value creators, rainmaking to doing $5 an hour tasks, which is not a great use of time. But you know that the intelligence is critical to acquire. I'm going to dig into your offering here later on
2: as well. And I really want to learn more about that because I think what you have as a solution to a problem where I see it can harvest opportunities fairly easily and economically. One thing I've noticed from the speaking I've done is that if you look at the odds, of getting business. And I'll even teach people that there's five different paths of getting business. At the very top, which has the highest likelihood, and you know this because you're a sales trainer, existing clients, right? Yeah. And then then right below that, people that might not be clients, but you know them. You've sat on boards. Whatever the connection is, then there's a relationship. Maybe you did a pitch for them three years ago and they chose to go with somebody else, but there's a connection. The, The one below that, those are people that are referrals. Then the one below that, those are people that have heard of you They've heard of you. But then the one below that is cold. And whenever I've done presentations to group, I'll say, I'll draw this up and I'll say, where do you think most people spend most of their time doing business development? Cold, in the area that has the least likelihood of bearing fruit. And so I'll I'll draw a line and I'll say, stay above the line. Forget about cold. You don't need that. Sometimes it is appropriate and it does make sense to have a new connection with someone you don't have. And you try to build it through thought leadership, uh, sitting on boards, committees, et cetera, et cetera. That's where you want to spend most of your time. And so I like the fact that what you're doing, what you have, and it reminds me of those people that have a business that say, we can find money that is held in a bank somewhere the state used to live at, and we're going to find it, and all you have to do is pay us 20%. And so basically, that's what you all are doing. You're helping us find the big coins behind the sofa. So tell me more about this then. What are some examples of professional services firms that have been able to capitalize on this human capital migration and really harvest opportunities?
0: Yeah, so we're working with Thomson Reuters to Celestica to Hub International. These are different industries. You know, One's financial services, one's in the insurance space. Mm-hmm. But what you just described is called an asymmetric competitive advantage. So here's the easiest way for your listeners to also think about this. You work so hard to acquire a new client, and then you forge relationships over years and years. And what will naturally happen is, and statistically, every give or take two years, executives, non-founders of these companies will up and leave and go to the next thing. Right. but. They're the ones that you many times work with day in, day out. And so an asymmetric competitive advantage means that you have a disproportionate percentage chance of winning that next opportunity through those relationships. And they don't even have to be the fact that you worked directly with that key stakeholder. But they just, because they know what it's like to succeed and fail in their past customer, and past account, when uh-huh. they move into a new business, they typically want to bring in like-minded people, processes, and technology that had made them successful in the past. Right. And then it's an asymmetric advantage because if another law firm tried to get in there, they'd say, well, why would I shop a whole new set of vendors when, in fact, I'll just work with the firms that I, my old company felt most comfortable using? And that's your asymmetric advantage. Now, there is a flip side to that. And of course, what we help customers or clients track is, of course, uh, competitive intelligence. Because I can track, as an example, uh, people that leave employment from another law firm and join a company or have skills or certifications or past projects launched with another firm some were written on their LinkedIn profile, and it allows us to work on deselection and deprioritization of accounts. An equal, uh, an important task to time management.
2: And, and let me ask you about that. What does that mean exactly
0: when you talk about deselection? What does that mean? So let's back up to the problem. Time management is the single biggest determining factor, in my humble opinion, and a lot of it measured through Gartner. And I'll tell you that kind of measurement. Time management is the difference between making quota and not making quota, making mm-hmm. goals and not making goals. Every company calls them something different. But ultimately, it's how we spend our time as rainmakers that dictate where we're going to be one quarter and one year from now. One of the biggest time vampires that there is is account selection and account prioritization, which means should I go after I'm drinking out of a Yeti water bottle? Mm-hmm. Should I select Yeti water bottle versus Igloo cooler to call on today? That's account selection. Account prioritization. Should I call Yeti today, not tomorrow, versus Igloo today, not tomorrow? Unfortunately, most rainmakers will subjectively select and prioritize accounts. There's not a lot of rhyme or reason. They're not using objective data inputs to make informed decisions. And what (laughs) signals allow you to provide is a greater probability because there are these inflection points or compelling events happening in an account that give you an opportunity to open the door if you use them correctly. So to your point, coming back to competitive intelligence, if you're great at time management, you have a leg up. But if you constantly are calling into accounts that have forged relationships with other firms, and it's very overt, like the people that work there used to work at law firms, and the it's written all over the LinkedIn profile that the chief operating officer did a you know a, an m and a deal with this other firm like they already have a relationship, your time is better spent trying to find white space or other new opportunities so
2: this is interesting, and I liked what you mentioned they're not using objective data points to make decisions so how do they get these data points what can somebody do to really take all this and and come up with a plan
0: and it's back to you know the fork in the road you can acquire this intelligence yourself it is free and publicly available data people's resumes and experience it's all there for you right but then companies partner with us who say to themselves the opportunity cost of me as a rainmaker and my team trying to sift through needles in a haystack, it doesn't make sense when I can partner with a firm to do that. And that's what Pipeline Signals does. Absolutely right. So what are the pitfalls if somebody, whether they're
2: working with you or they're doing this on their own, and and I do want to find out more about your service, but if if they do this, what are the biggest pitfalls you've seen that they stumble on, that trip them up, that keep them from really maximizing the result?
0: The biggest is then, I would say two part. First is seller utilization. Uh, mm-hmm. Which means you give all this sales intelligence to these of rainmakers in a firm. Some will do something with it, and some won't. And so you're watching. You know these opportunities are like milk in the sun, right? They they spoil over time because these compelling events, specifically around job changes, if you let weeks and months go by, they're no longer fresh or as valuable anymore because that person has planted you know, their roots down in the company and they're, we're already working on initiatives. That's part A is ensuring that you're, that each team member is actually doing something with them. And then part two is garbage in is garbage out. I see so many times where a rainmaker will take an old email, they'll blast it out to everybody, or they, they just won't be authentic and genuine. And to the fact that this person came from a past customer, they'll just send a vanilla awful email. right? And you're, again, you're spoiling, you know, this is fishing with a spear, not fishing with a net mm-hmm. and you're spoiling your opportunities. That's
2: interesting. And I can see a lot of people doing that. They're not looking at the fulsomeness of it. What are some of the surprising benefits? What surprised you the most as you develop this new business model that you have? And this came from COVID, uh, the, is
0: that right? Is that what happened? Yeah, exactly. And and one of the biggest net benefits that we didn't foresee is, of course, we designed this from the mindset of the rainmaker, the sellers, kind of, so to speak. But at the end of the day, there was a huge net benefit for the firm's marketing department. So eighty-five to ninety percent of every signal we're providing is typically net new to a customer's CRM uh, contact record management database. Mm-hmm. And what that was doing is it's a self-fulfilling prophecy to fuel their account-based marketing programs, mm-hmm. because now your database is growing with new executives all the time. And as people check out your website and Google keywords and your ABM or buying intent software might pick this up, but now you have the contacts in your database because all these new executives keep growing your database net new. Right. So it had a a secondary benefit to the marketing departments as well. Interesting. And so should people focus
2: on the net new or should they be looking for those people that have already had some sort of connection with previous employees?
0: So I believe that the user of this, there's two use cases within a firm. Number one, I need to acquire net new business. I'm going to reverse engineer and watch people leave my happy customers Mm -hmm. and join our happy clients and join new businesses. Mm -hmm. That is use case one. Uh, You give that to whatever teammate or teammates is best at opening doors. Uh, But now you have this warm opportunity for them. And then number two is who's ever managing existing relationships in your firm. So imagine you're well into delivery, you're forging great relationships but then executives will leave your customer base or client base. And what that means is priorities change, initiatives change, projects will change. Well, who's going to backfill them? Is it going to be a friend or a foe? And now is the client at risk because the executive that you were working with doesn't work there anymore. Did they just shelf the, the project they were just talking about? You know, this is probably really important for things like, Mergers and acquisitions, as an example. Right. Possibly entire programs.
2: So things that happen a lot within law firms is that uh, lateral partner recruiters like me will pull people out of some firms, will place them in another big firm. And the goal is for the new firm that has his partner to grow that partner's practice with existing clients that come over. Because in the United States, there's no such thing as law, non-compete and legal, because anybody can choose who they want to have as their own legal counsel. So that's what law firms are trying to do. They're trying to get business through incoming partners. And in many ways, that's a very effective way of doing client development, because you're bringing someone that has already earned that trust over decades with a handful mm-hmm. of C-suite executives. So the departing firm, how could they use this? They see somebody leaving. And they want to keep those clients, but the primary point of contact is probably going to take those people with them. Can can they use a system like yours to
0: try to keep that business with their firm? So what we can't prevent is the keeping of the business. Right. What we are is the leading indicator to tell you that this inflection point, this future decision, likely going to happen because if you follow the humans, whether they are in law firms themselves or in corporations, you can bet dollars to donuts in some point in the future, there is going to be a decision uh, being made as to who will be legal representation. So we're like an early warning sign of opportunity and risk in accounts.
2: Interesting. So you're like the canary in the mine. You can give
0: us a heads up. I can't make you save the deal. (laughs) <laughs> I want tell you that a deal should be focused on saving.
2: So tell me this then, if we could, as we bring this to a close, if we could summarize some of the talking points that you have into three action steps that people can take to really get started understanding and implementing these ideas, what would those be? What are three action steps you'd recommend?
0: Yeah, and I, I wrote these down for us so everybody could make a list. Number one, make a list of your best clients. Now, I know that that sounds silly, but it's a Pareto's law. Every business is a Pareto's law. 80% of your revenue most likely comes from 20% of your clients. And same with human capital. The larger businesses have the the greatest migration of talent. And if you're working in companies with multi-departments, more talent is pouring out. So that's number one. Make a list of your clients. Number two, then using a tool like LinkedIn, whether you do it yourself or you use somebody like us, map the bi-directional relationship changes that are happening. Who's walking in the door of those businesses? Who's getting promoted? And who's walking out the door? Sorry, who's going in? Who's going up? Who's going out? And if they do go out, where are they going? Interesting. And then number three is actually doing with the sales intelligence. Specifically, most important if, for rainmakers looking for new business. Who walked out the door? You have, you know, if you're old enough to remember Glengarry Gary, Glen Ross, you have the pink sheet leads. You have somebody is a past relationship and a happy customer. They're somewhere else. Engage them. Right, that's great.
2: That's fantastic. And then, so tell us a little bit more about this offering you have, Jamie. Tell us a little bit more about this and and the other things you want our listeners to know about you and your company.
0: Yeah. So pipeline signals again will buy back your firm's time and monitor all of your clients on your behalf it starts at $2,000 a month and it can monitor upwards of a thousand clients wow. and provide you with this intelligence on a monthly basis in a report. that can also sync to your CRM and you don't have to sync it to your CRM so that the rainmakers have this intelligence to make informed decisions on who do I engage today, not tomorrow. That's great. And what's the history of your
2: company? This is a new company. How did you come up with right. the idea? How did you how did you develop yeah, So I've
0: owned a global sales training company called Sales for Life. Uh, we invented the topic called social selling. And so uh, enabled 600 global customers, uh, quarter million sellers around the world. And along that journey, clients of ours would turn to us and say, can you just monitor and mine this intelligence for us rather than teach us how to do it? And when COVID hit, it took me off of an airplane, which was half of my life, <laughs> yeah. and of bought back literally like half a year's time. And I turned to my business partner. I said, you know, this idea, I've been kind of mulling around for a couple of years. I've got the sister company and we're going to call it Pipeline Signals. That's great. And
2: that's how we launched it. Congratulations. That's a great idea. I think what you're doing, it's very clear. You're solving a problem that people can see and they could say, I could do that, but what's the cost
0: instead you of having, can, yeah. You cut your grass. Right. But do you really... <laughs> of the time to cut your grass right now that's and,
2: right. yeah that's great well jamie i want to thank you for being on the show this is actually a very good topic and i know just in getting to know you and seeing other things that you've done i'd like to have you back on the show talk about some other sophisticated business development topics i think you'd be great to have back jamie thank you so much for being here
0: today thanks a lot thank you for listening to the Rainmaking podcast For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.